The Pittsburgh Steelers' 2021 season is over. Ben Roethlisberger's Steeler career is over. I'm Jeffrey Benedict. Welcome to the cutting room floor. The end of the season means we get to shift our focus to any number of discussions. This year, that means we can look back and memorialize Ben Roethlisberger's career. We can break down position groups, look at the performance. We can analyze rookies. We can look at second-year players and how much they've developed. We can look forward to what the Steelers need to address in free agency and the draft. And this show will cover a lot of those topics this offseason. But before we get into the offseason, we need to recap this game and answer a question that I've been thinking about and the question that is the title of this show. Did the Steelers deserve this ending to their season? When I was a young player, uh, I was a soccer player. And I played on a team for years that was full of the short, slow, chubby, untalented kids. And we had a great coach. He taught us all fundamentals year in, year out. Taught us how to... I mean, there was kids he took three seasons just to teach them how to kick a ball right. But we learned. And I'll never forget our last season together. We were about to move up in age group. Uh, We were a U10 team. And we are about to move up into U12. And... We had not won a single game in like three years. So, you know, like six seasons. And we went into the offseason. We had a little tournament game, a little fun game thing, a little tournament. And we were the lowest seed in that. And we knocked off every team we faced until we got to the final game of that tournament. And we finally lost. We were shorthanded. The opposing coach, our coach asked him, hey, would you be willing to play with only like nine kids on the field? Because we're down two players. We only have nine players at this point because kids are getting hurt. Kids are going home. They've played four soccer games in one day. This was our fifth soccer game of the day. Because they had buys set up. And we didn't get any of them. And he said no. We played two man down. We lost two to one that game. I'll never forget that season. I'll never forget that moment. I'll never forget my coach telling me afterwards not to feel bad about the loss because we had earned it. We had worked hard enough. We had improved hard enough. He said we could have lost the first game and gone home and no one would have batted an eye. But we worked hard enough to earn losing in the final game of the championships that season. We had earned that. That idea has stuck with me. And I've looked at situations where, you know, you see it in college football a lot, where some small division team plays well enough. Cincinnati did it this year. They made it to the college playoffs and got beat down. Uh, Sometimes teams from even Power 5 conferences will scrap together an improbable run and will win their conference championship get to go to a bowl game, a big game, and and they'll be overmatched and they'll lose. And people will laugh at them and say, see, they shouldn't even, you know, they shouldn't have been there. But they earned the right to be there. They earned that beating. You have to give them that chance. And that's what I think of with this Pittsburgh Steelers team, a team that didn't have much talent, a team that wasn't going to be a top team, a team that shouldn't have been in the playoffs. Ben Roethlisberger wasn't wrong. 
But you look at the talent on that team. You look at the transitions they're going through. You look at the turnover. You look at the injuries. They shouldn't have been there. But they earned it. They went through. No one took them down. At the end, they were the best team left for that seventh playoff spot. That's another thing I will want to cover is that if you went back two years ago with the same records and everything and these same teams under a six-team playoff format, the Steelers would have been at home and the Kansas City Chiefs would have had a bye. This season, Steelers were the seventh seed. They slipped into the playoffs as the seventh seed. They got to face the number two seed. And they got beat pretty handily. But they earned it. That's one thing I want to take away from this big thing is the Steelers' improbable run to the playoffs earned them that shot at the Chiefs. And sure, yeah, they got pounded. Let's let's be honest. They got pounded. They still earned the right to be there. They earned that shot. And they got it. Rest of the first half of the show, we're going to look at the offense overall. You look at this game going into it, and you look at the season, right? The Steelers knew they had to establish the run. You watch the early parts of this game. They knew they had to establish the run to win this game. They knew it. They knew they couldn't come out there and just throw the ball all over the place and win this game. The problem is the Chiefs' interior defensive line and their team speed to the edge of the field was too much for the Steelers. The Steelers had no counter for that. They could not get the run game going. Najee Harris ran well. He ran hard like he always does. His one, like, eight-yard run was incredibly impressive. It was incredibly impressive. He's dragged, like, five people to get eight yards. But the run game just couldn't get going. When they needed to throw it, uh, one of the one play really stood out to me. Juju Smith-Schuster obviously was back in this game. And he's lined up in the slot, and he comes out, and he runs like a kind of a little seam post. It's a seam route, but you have to work. You He started with an outside release, and he has to work back inside, right? It's a little bit of a post, but kind of more of a seam. It's meant to attack uh, split coverage, too high coverage, where the middle field of the field is open. They're in too high. They run that. It's a play I have talked about on this show as one the Steelers haven't ran this season. Ben hasn't thrown it very much this season. Every once in a while, he'll throw those shots down the seam, and they're great. This play to Juju, Smith-Schuster, Ben Roethlisberger missed. He threw it a little high and a little in front of Juju Smith-Schuster, and Juju was able to get like the very tips of his fingers on it, but that's it, if he even touched it at all. But it was just, you know, like maybe two feet off target away from a catch. When I saw that play... It stood out to me. I remembered it. I went and got the film. It will be covered in some in a film room this week, definitely. But that play was a route we've seen Juju Smith-Schuster run. We've seen Martavis Bryant. We've seen Mike Wallace run that route. Ben Roethlisberger destroyed defenses with that route consistently. In this game, they ran it. Ben Roethlisberger threw it because Juju Smith-Schuster got position. He wasn't, he wasn't, you know, three yards open. No, the guy defender was behind him. There were defenders closing in, but they weren't in position to make a play on the ball. It was just him and Ben Roethlisberger. The throw had to be a really good throw to fit it in there because Juju didn't have time to slow down if he slows down the defenses on him. But you've got to fit it into a reasonably tight window 
but it's there. Ben Roethlisberger used to hit those all the time. Juju Smith-Schuster on a very similar plays scored scored multiple 97-yard touchdowns, one in 2017, one in 2018, both before Big Ben's arm injury, before the surgeries, before his comeback. In this game, to me, that stood out as the difference. That one play kind of, you know, epitomized the difference between Ben Roethlisberger in 2017 and 2018 and before, and Ben Roethlisberger in 2021. It's two yards off. Juju Smith-Schuster, I don't know if he would have outran the safeties, but he had an angle to do it. They would have been chasing him. It would have been a 20-yard game, and they would have been chasing him. would have been the longest gain of the day, probably. He probably gets more than two yards after the catch point, so he probably eclipses James Washington's catch later in the game. But that didn't work because the ball was two feet away from where it needed to be. Ben Roethlisberger was a quarterback that hit that route very, very often. If that route was open, the ball was on target, the receiver had a catch, and multiple times Juju Smith-Schuster was outrunning defensive backs for big gains on those exact routes. It wasn't there this game. Again, we saw when... The Chiefs took that big lead, 35-7. to Their their defense took the foot off the gas, kind of tried to contain the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense more than anything else, let the clock win you the game, and it worked. I mean, no one's going to argue that it didn't work, but that allowed Ben Roethlisberger to get going. It allowed him to get enough yards to move into third place all time and play off passing yards. It let him throw a couple touchdowns. And the Steelers made it look a little better than 35-7 with no offense scoring points, just a defensive touchdown. They ended up getting two more two offensive touchdowns. That's that's the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. It's what it's been all year. Unless this team could get the run game going, nothing worked. When the run game got going, Matt Canada's offense worked. And that's that's another takeaway I want to make. I want, I want people to take away from this season is the Steelers head into the offseason. If the Steelers can run the ball, Matt Canada's offense works. It does. If the Steelers cannot run the ball, Matt Canada's offense does not work. If you want the Pittsburgh Steelers to be a team that focuses on running the ball, power run, you know, run right up the gut at teams, which in this day of fast, quick defenses like the Chiefs have, if you can beat their defensive line, you can do it. The Steelers couldn't with Dan Moore, you know, J.C. Hassenhauer and John Leglu. Those guys played solidly, but they're not good. They, they played solidly for guys who shouldn't have been on the field. But they aren't, they aren't winning against a decent defensive interior. They're not doing it. And they haven't. If the Steelers are able to upgrade their interior run game, 
whether it be improvements from Kendrick Green, I, I'm not giving up on him as a center. I have a really hard time seeing with his arm length and size and short. He's he's short and he has short arms. When you see guards, if there are guards that make it with shorter arms that are tall. And there's guards that are a little shorter, but they have longer arms and they make it. Kendrick Green has both against him. He's got B.J. Finney size, right? If he doesn't make it as a center, I don't think he's a starting guard, and I would have to disagree with Ben Roethlisberger. I don't think the odds of him being a really good guard is even an option. I don't think it's there. Just the physical size says, yeah, that's very improbable. And honestly, if he's going to be able to overcome that size to be a really good guard, he's going to be able to be a center. He will be a good center. If he's going to be able to be a good guard, he'll make it at center. We'll see how he improves. Kevin Dotson. Man, the loss of Kevin Dotson was huge. Huge for this team and its run defense. Run offense, sorry. Their run game. The loss of Kevin Dotson was big. Dan Moore Jr. was a pretty had a pretty good rookie season. We'll see if he can build on that. If he can build and become even better in his second year, and you get Kevin Dotson back, you know, you've got you got some options there. You've got something you can build from. We'll see what the Steelers are able to do with that offensive line. But the takeaway I want from that is heading into the future and, and, and wrapping up this season and this game is the Steelers, under Matt Canada's offense, are a team that if they run the ball, the offense works. If they run successfully, the offense works. If they cannot run the ball, the offense won't work. Now, add into that a caveat here. That Ben Roethlisberger hasn't been as good a throwing quarterbacks in, in 2020 and 2021. He just he hasn't had it since that injury that took something off of his ball. It took something out of his game. His accuracy wasn't as good. His movement in the pocket's not as good. He's just the decline is there. It's visible on film. And this game, specifically, uh, on the offensive side, reminded me a lot of when the Steelers in 2015 faced the Colts. Or not the Colts, the Broncos. Sorry, the Broncos. Peyton Manning's their quarterback in his final season. When they faced off in the playoffs and the Steelers narrowly lost, Ben Roethlisberger had Martavis Bryant, uh, Sammy Coates. He had, uh, gosh, who else was in there? It was like nobody. He had nobody at wide receiver. No one. On the Peyton Manning side, he had a run game. He had Demarius Thomas. He had Emmanuel Sanders. He had uh, an older tight end, Owen Daniels, who had been a multiple-year pro bowler. And he's just heading into the end of his career, but he's still a good pass catcher. Peyton Manning had better talent, had a, had a better offensive line, and he had a one of the great defenses, a defense on par with what the Steelers had in, in Ben Roethlisberger's runs to the Super Bowl. And the Steelers nearly beat them with the 2015 Steelers defense that wasn't very good and almost no weapons on offense. This year, we saw Ben Roethlisberger make it to a wild card game with an offensive line that wasn't very good. No one at the receiver core on the level of an Emmanuel Sanders or at that point, or Demarius Thomas. No, Nobody Demarius Thomas. And a defense that is too beat up and too injured and too young 
to be what that defense was. And we saw him face off against Patrick Mahomes, who was young. It's Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. A better offensive line than the Steelers. That's what we're looking at. You know, Ben is still a leader. He still brought a lot of value to this team. But his limitations were becoming bigger as the season went on. Especially these last couple of games. He's just not the same quarterback he used to be. And it's the right time for him to go. It's the right time for him to retire. uh, And send the Steelers into building for the future. That's first half of our episode. When we come back, uh, we'll talk about the defense. I've got a lot to talk about the defense. Uh, So uh, stay tuned and I will see you after this break. Welcome back, Steeler fans. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. This is The Cutting Room Floor. The Steeler 2021 season is over, but the 2022 offseason is just beginning. Behind the Steel Curtain is going to be jumping into the offseason, both on our website, which should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Behind the Steel Curtain network of podcasts, with a full line of shows covering the roster, the coaches, free agency, the draft, as well as shows that just enjoy the heritage and history of the Steelers and being a part of Steeler Nation. Whatever you want from your Steeler offseason, Behind the Steel Curtain has it. So make us your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Keep on listening to our shows, and we'll be here all off season, going through it with you. Look into the defense. I'm going to jump right in because I got a lot I want to cover. We're going to jump right into the defensive line and Cameron Hayward. The Chiefs' strategy going into this game was to double team Cameron Hayward all day. They constantly threw two offensive linemen at Cameron Hayward. He ended the game with no sacks, no tackles for a loss, no quarterback hits. The only real impact play he made in the backfield was a forced fumble on the play where the running back dropped the ball, picked it back up, and they got. And then Cam Hayward shows up and punches the ball out. Outside of that, the Chiefs, using two offensive linemen every play on Cameron Hayward, were able to kind of take him out of the game. He did have four tackles, but that's really it. With that kind of focus, other defensive linemen had an easier day. For example, Montrevious Adams' sack that he recorded was on a play where Cameron Hayward knew he was being double-teamed, kind of stepped inside and then faded off to the right and led two two offensive linemen outside. Montrevious Adams also faked like he was going to go outside, went back inside, right into the middle, got a sack on Patrick Mahomes. Outside of Cameron Hayward and that sack from Montrevious Adams, the defensive line was not bad, but they didn't really step up and excel with all that attention that Hayward was getting. When, when Cameron Hayward's being double-teamed every play, and there are three other offensive linemen, 
right? That's it. He's taken two of the five. There's three other guys. The other defensive linemen have to make plays. And we got one from Montrevious Adams. And that's about it. I think uh, Chris Wormley had one tackle for a loss. That's really about it. They didn't really do much. Same problem they've had all year. Moving on to TJ Watt. TJ Watt was great. He uh, it was his best playoff game he's had of his career so far. Other two playoff games, he wasn't the, the most productive. This one, you can't say that. He was all over the place early. Alex Highsmith was good, but again, the guy who was right next to him, Cameron Hayward, was getting double teamed all game. When that's going on, you need an Alex Highsmith to do more. He had a tackle for loss and a sack, so not a bad game. But for me, he he needs to really put in work this offseason and and grow more as a player. He's not there yet. He's not where the Steelers need him to be for this defense to get back to being great. The backups, Charlton, Tuska, uh, they played played well. And relief all season. We'll see if any of them, either of them stick around. But they weren't bad. Uh... Taco Charlton was like a foot short of getting a sack on Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes was able to fall forward and just get across the line. The inside linebacker spots. The Steelers used five different inside linebackers in this game. They rotated them a lot so that uh, Spillane, Robert Spillane, Joe Schobert, and Devin Bush Jr. all played roughly the same number of snaps. I think it was like 35, 34, 33, something like that. They're all right next to each other in snaps. The Chiefs had clearly done their homework. They're a team that loves to attack inside linebackers with all kinds of ways. They'd clearly done their homework on the Steelers' linebackers. When Devin Bush was in, they ran right at him. They would run, they would get bodies on him, and they would run right at him. When Spillane was in, they attacked him by using motion, using shifts, doing different things to get Travis Kelsey matched up with Joe Show with Robert Spillane either in his zone or in man coverage and attacked him there. When Joe Schobert was in, they they kind of ignored him. <laughs> they just outran him. Like Schobert is solid, but he's not quick. He doesn't react. He doesn't have the quickest reaction time. He he's not fast. Uh he had a tackle for loss and two total tackles. He just didn't have much impact. They just kind of ignored him and went around him. Right, you just don't don't go right at him, and you're good. So that that's that. Marcus Allen uh, was a solid dime linebacker. He still is. He he can cover a running back. That's his main job in dime is he covers a running back, uh, or in zone, and he's good at both. But he is undersized, and we'll get into that in a minute. But he played in our dime packages. Remember that. Uh, Ulysses Gilbert the third. Came in and played for nine snaps when the defensive pass rush, the Steelers' pass rush was not succeeding at containing Patrick Mahomes. That's been a problem all year. Again, that's something that Bud Dupree always showed up. When Bud Dupree left the game, the Steelers struggled to contain quarterbacks from, from escaping the pocket. Uh, that's That's been the case last year after he got injured. It's the case again this year. The struggles, the, the Steelers' defensive line, and outside and pass rush in general just 
was has been having a hard time containing quarterbacks, but Mahomes obviously had that twenty-three yard run, a couple more short ones. Didn't didn't go well for him, right? Juju three came in as a spy on Mahomes. Did well for the nine snaps he was in there on that role, but Mahomes running wasn't the hugest problem on a day where he threw for four hundred and four yards and five touchdowns. Let's just also throw that out there. This. Uh, Trey Norwood also stood out. He played really well on Kelsey early. He had two passes defended, led the team with that in that stat. I believe, let me, let me, yeah, yeah. TJ Watt had one. Devin Bush had one. Trey Norwood had two. That was it for passes defended for the Steelers. So he led the team and it was passive defense. Did a good job on Kelsey early on. As other things in the defense broke down, the pass rush wasn't getting there. Other things were opening up. Kelsey had more time that that Trey Norwood had to cover him, and Norwood's not going to succeed at covering Travis Kelsey very long. Kelsey is one of the best weapons in the NFL, perhaps the best weapon in the NFL over the last five years. Uh, Just, he's an incredible player. Trey Norwood's not going to be able to match him all game. The Steelers dealt with the Chiefs' deep speed really well. We didn't give up a lot downfield. Especially earlier in the game. Uh, Where we had problem, and what we started to see problems with, I'm thinking mostly in the first half. The second half was, was a different story. But in the first half, when the game was was close, when the Steelers were in it, they they were doing so. Uh, Arthur Millette was not playing, right? He was on special teams only. They used uh, Kello Witherspoon in their nickel. So when it's Joe Hayden and Cameron Sutton in base formations, which weren't used very often against the Chiefs, in nickel. Instead of Arthur Millette coming in and playing the slot, they brought in Akello Witherspoon outside and moved Cameron Sutton into the slot. That improved the Steelers' coverage, especially their deep coverage, but it also gave them a much less physical front. Witherspoon and Sutton is a much less physical and aggressive pair than Arthur Millette and Cameron Sutton being outside. Millette is their physical player in the slot. And with him out, what the Chiefs were able to do to start attacking, because they weren't being having success going downfield early, is they started dumping the ball off underneath to speed. Uh, we saw that touchdowns later with Tyreek Hill. We saw that with running backs. The screen game really started working. And the reason it worked was the Steelers had to put pressure on Mahomes. You can see any point in the game where Mahomes was able to hold the ball for more than three seconds. It was bad. He could convert a third and 18 if he has four seconds to hold the ball. And Kervis Kelsey has four seconds to work on Trey Norwood. They're going to convert a first down. It's just going to happen. You can't let Mahomes have that much time in the backfield. When the Steelers are being aggressive and going after Mahomes, when the Steelers are being are doing a good job of shutting down the deep passes, and you've got Trey Norwood doing a good job on Travis Kelsey. Where that weakness is, is in between them. Attacking a Joe Schober and a Robert Spillane are in. You hit a small screen to the outside. You get a body on uh, on Schobert or Spillane, and, and the other one, by the time they catch up, it, 
you're upfield. You've got a good game. That was a consistent problem for the Steelers in this game. Uh, I want to point out that in the past, the Steelers have been very good against those kind of plays. And they didn't work as well in the first half when Devin Bush was in. They had to get a body on Devin Bush. And for the most part, they did a good job of getting a body on Devin Bush. He is still not as quick or as fast as he was in 2020 before his injury and in 2019. His rookie season, he's just not... He doesn't have the quickness or speed he had then. Whether or not he can get it back, that is a question for the offseason and for the future. And it will be an important one for the Steelers. Very important one for the Steelers. I also want to note that Mahomes is a fantastic quarterback. Fantastic quarterback. The way I'm addressing this so far sounds like, you know, all they did was attack the Steelers' weaknesses. No. Mahomes threw into gaps other quarterbacks don't even go after. He threw on Minka, right? He threw at zones where Minka was covering. The Steelers' defense gets away with a lot because they're able to entrust Terrell Edmonds and Minka Fitzpatrick to cover really large areas of the field. Patrick Mahomes has the kind of cannon and accuracy. He has late eyes, which means he doesn't have to look at the wide receiver for a second before he throws the ball. He can like start like Ben Roethlisberger style, start to throw the ball and then find who he's throwing it to as the ball is coming forward and throw a ball on the on the, you know, with incredible accuracy and incredible strength. That's what he does. That's like old school Ben Roethlisberger when Ben was in his prime and scrambling around and able to, you know, find a guy in the middle of a throw action. If the guy wasn't open, he could turn the play down and do one of those what people call pump fakes, but is really just starting the throw and then being like, hey, I don't have the throw. I'm not throwing the ball. Mahomes can do that. So even aside from how the Chiefs were able to scheme up and attack the Steelers' uh, vulnerable points on defense, There were also plays where it was just Patrick Mahomes being great. Now I want to get into a little bit here of one thing I really wanted to cover. Okay? The Steelers' defense got them to the playoffs. They often dragged this team to the playoffs. And I want to cover the start of this game because the first five drives for the Chiefs, the Steelers held them scoreless. That is the first time in this year. I need to look back and see if this happened in other years under Patrick Mahomes. But that was the first time this season that a team held the Chiefs to five straight drives without scoring. With the caveat of no kneel downs. Right? There were times where the Chiefs had a lead and they didn't score the last four drives. And then at the end of the game, they kneeled down. If you remove drives where the Chiefs gave up trying to score, and just were like, we already won the game, we're just going to kneel it out. No one held the Chiefs scoreless for five straight drives. And the Steelers not only held them scoreless for five straight drives, the defense was plus a touchdown. At the end of those Chiefs drives, the end result of five Chiefs drives was seven points for the Steelers' defense. No one has done that to the Chiefs. Nobody. I also want to point out that at the end of those five drives, there were 11 minutes left in the second quarter. 
The Chiefs had eight total drives in the first half against the Steelers. In their wild card game last year against the Browns, their win against the Browns last year, the Chiefs had eight drives in the game. They had eight possessions in the entire game. Against the Steelers, they had eight possessions in the first half. If the sixth drive by the Chiefs, right, the one after the defensive touchdown, they get the ball back, they march down the field and score a touchdown. If that is their last drive of the first half, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers have a good shot of winning this game. But the Steelers' offense had two first downs at that point. They they didn't have drives. They weren't eating clock. They weren't giving the defense a rest. They weren't reducing the amount of drives the Chiefs were going to get. You, If you give an offense with that much talent and with the offensive coaches they have, they're both important here. Andy Reid runs a great system. Eric Bieniemy is a fantastic offensive coordinator. Patrick Mahomes is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Travis Kelsey is the best receiving weapon in the the most hard to deal with receiving target in the NFL. Tyreek Hill's speed, Hardeman's speed. The offense has in, incredible talent, and you give them five or six times where they get to come to the sideline and figure out, hey. You know, how are we going to counter the strategies and tricks the Steelers' defense are using to protect their weak points? To protect a Trey Norwood? To, to protect their to a Robert Spillane or a Joe Schobert or a Devin Bush? The ways they are covering for these guys, they're going to find ways to, to counter them. If you give them that many times being able to go out, come back to the sideline, talk to the coaches, go back out, come back in, talk to the sideline, you know, they're going to figure it out. And there's only so many tricks and only so many adjustments you can do before you run out of ways to cover for players that just aren't very good, that aren't good enough. And at some point, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to figure out those matchups, are going to figure out how to get Travis Kelsey on Robert Spillane. They're going to figure your defense out, your strategy out, and be like, okay, now we know how to get Travis Kelsey on Robert Spillane. We can predict where he's going to be, and we're going to go attack it. That's what happened. The Chiefs had the time to solve the Steelers' defense, and the Steelers' defense doesn't have the talent to just keep countering it. Like they could in 2008, 2010. Those defenses had the talent that, man, even if the defense didn't have a, you know, even if you figured out their scheme, you still got to beat their players. This defense has been getting a buy with tricks, with some a few great players, and tricks that they use and scheme little things that they do to keep teams from exploiting their weaker points. Didn't happen against the Chiefs. They couldn't keep it up. That's how the game went. That's what I have for this. Uh, that's my wrap-up for the wild card game. My overarching thought, though, is, you know what? This is The fact that the Steelers made the wild card game is a testament to Ben Roethlisberger and this team wanting to win for him. The Steelers did that. 
They had an improbable season, a last winning season for Ben Roethlisberger. He ends his career with zero losing seasons. That's incredible. And the Steelers earned, earned a spot, a unique spot with a seventh playoff seed, and they got to face the number two seed, a team that normally would have a bye. They earned that. They earned this beatdown by a team that really they shouldn't be facing. And that's it. It's 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 kind of a it's a it's to me, it's still a credit to Ben Roethlisberger and his his career. And at the same time, a reminder of just how much work the Steelers need to put in this offseason. During that offseason, stick with me here on the cutting room floor. Stick with Behind the Steel Curtain, both at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And the Behind the Steel Curtain Network of Podcasts, wherever you're listening right now, we're going to be on all off-season. And we'll go through that journey with you. Have a good day. Go Steelers.